Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon as LSU baseball looks to not close the door on its season while LSU football and basketball finally has some closure when it comes to the NCAA. Good afternoon and welcome. Great to be back with you on this Thursday, June 22nd. The year 2023. Full disclosure, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yours truly was in Orlando, Florida. My daughter, uh, part of a uh, a team in the AAU National Volleyball Championships in Orlando, thousand, a thousand teams um, broken up into several divisions. And lo and behold, uh, Caroline's team, the Ignite Adidas, national champions. Played three games on Sunday, three on Monday, three on Tuesday. And you played on Wednesday. If you lose, you're, you're, you're done. They won the first match. They won the second match. They won the third match, which got them to the championship game. And they won that one in straight sets. They are the national champions, believe it or not. It was more exciting than winning an NCAA tournament game. It was more exciting than watching Warren Morris hit a game-winning walk-off home run. It was more exciting than watching LSU win national championships in football. It was more exciting than hitting a half-court shot to win a game in the southeastern, it was more exciting than anything I'd ever been a part of. It was sensational, but now we are back, and holy cow, um, we are, um, geesh, LSU baseball, and we'll delve into this deeply uh, today. LSU keeps getting performances that are unexpected. They keep getting heroes that pop out of nowhere, um, and LSU stays alive with. Great performance on the mound, uh, coupled with a game-changing swing of the bat from one of LSU's most trusted veterans, and they beat Wake Forest 5-2. to two. It was Nate Ackenhausen who stepped up on Tuesday. Then it was freshman Griffin Herring who answered the call on Wednesday, giving LSU four and two-thirds innings of scoreless relief pitching after LSU had fallen into a 2-0 hole, Javen Coleman just couldn't throw a strike. They had to take him out. Blake Money followed, uh, allowing a two-RBI single up the middle. Had to take him out, and then Herring comes in. Minimized the damage with a huge inning-ending strikeout. Went on to retire 13 of the first 16 batters he faced, and then... In um, on the bottom of the second inning, uh, Cade Beloso walked, moved to second on a wild pitch, scored on Braden Joe Bear's clutch two-out double down the right fill line. It was a two-to-one game. Herring retired the side in order in the top of the third. LSU had all the momentum. 
and they capitalized on it. Drill, Dylan Cruz, Dewar Walk, to extend his on-base streak to 71 games. Cray Morgan continued his hot hitting with a single. Gavin Dugas threw a base on ball to load the bases with one out. A wild pitch brought one home run to tie it at two. And then Cade Beloso hit a three-run bomb over the right field wall that gave LSU a 5-2 to two lead, a lead that they would never relinquish. Beloso, a fifth-year senior. What a great, great story. What a great story. He nearly walked away from baseball last year after suffering a season-ending ACL tear during the fir- very first game's pregame huddle. He came back, and when it mattered most, delivered. Really, really special. So now the big question is, as LSU and Wake Forest will play yet again, winner take all. Winner gets to the College World Series against Florida. Loser, season over. And the big question is, are we going to get the pitching matchup that we expect? Is it going to be Paul Skeens, who'll be on four days rest after his brilliant performance in LSU's win over Tennessee last Saturday? Is it going to be Rhett Lauder from Wake Forest, who's unbeaten this season, 15-0 and with a 1.99 ERA? Two of the best, if not the two best pitchers in the nation. Is that what we're going to get today? Well, no one has committed as of yet. We will wait and see. Meanwhile, LSU uh, got the word as the NCAA finally, after four years, has come down with a ruling. LSU, remember, had its men's basketball and football programs lumped together in the case. They did not receive a postseason ban. They did not get hit with a lack of institutional control. The teams are both on probation for three years. Meanwhile, the long-awaited ruling found that a former Tiger basketball coach, Will Wade, who is now the head coach at McNeese State, he was given a 10-game suspension and a two-year show-cause order from the NCAA's Independent Accountability Resolution Panel to bring the four-year case to a close. Wade's top assistant at LSU Associate head coach Bill Armstrong did not receive any penalties from the IARP's ruling. These decisions are final and they cannot be appealed. What we did not know is that prior to this, it had already been resolved that the football team would vacate all 37 wins from the 2015-12 through 2015 season because former offensive lineman Vidal Alexander was ineligible throughout his career. LSU self-imposed the penalty after receiving a notice of allegations from the NCAA, but it remained confidential until the ruling was released today. Remember, LSU received the notice of allegations March of 2022, which outlined 11 alleged violations against the men's basketball and football programs. That led four days later to the firings of Wade and Armstrong for cause. Eight violations were level one infractions, the most severe that can be assessed by the NCAA, and seven of those eight pertain to men's basketball. Wade was identified in six of the seven level one allegations. Armstrong was named in one. So... When you really come down to it, when push comes to shove, this is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. 
LSU's not penalized. They have no off-season, postseason banning. Um, sh- this is this is nothing. This is nothing as far as vacating wins. Who cares? Who cares? Everybody knows who. You know who cares? Les Miles, who's not going to have thirty-seven wins on his tally sheet. He's just not. So um, this is really nothing. Finally, there is closure. Finally, after all these years and all the speculation and all the the fact-finding and gathering and all this kind of stuff, um, it just comes down to a basic slap on the wrist. The probation, three years of which will end in 2026, requires LSU to inform recruits in writing that the teams are on probation and they must detail the violations that were committed. It must also publish information about the infractions and send annual compliance reports to the NCAA. Whoop-de-doop-de-doo. This is nothing. Congratulations, LSU. You come out smelling like a rose. Um, We'll talk about the NBA draft tonight. Uh, we got a lot to get busy. We'll hear from the LSU Tigers and much, much more. When we return, D1 Baseball's Mark Etheridge will join us. We'll get his thoughts on should. And and remember, there's a lot of parents of recruits out there. And how Jay Johnson handles this will be very, very important. As we see, you know Paul Skeens wants the ball. But does he get it? And if he does, how far will they let him go? details when we return after this timeout. Stay with us. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. So yeah, the Tigers take on the Demon Deacons tonight at the College World Series. Winner heads to the Championship Series this weekend against Florida. Pre-game, 5.30. First pitch, 6. All the action brought to you here on the game by the following sponsors. Artco Equipment, Arsenal, Machine Supply, Bubba Austale, Toyota and Ford, Cypress Bayou Casino, Iggy Castile State Farm, Attorney Paul Brown, The Bank, Service Chevrolet Cadillac, Beale and Hernandez, and Tibbs Trailers. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back anxiously awaiting a 6 o'clock first pitch. Winner take all tonight between LSU and Wake Forest. Loser, season over. Winner advances to the College World Series Championship Series against Florida. Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball, kind enough to join us. Wow. Um, Mark, how do you like in this College World Series, man? It's been great, hasn't it? I mean, so many close games, so many games. I mean, come down to the to the end, not just close ones, but, you know, lead changes in the night, sometimes multiple lead changes. It, it's, it's really been a week to remember, and, 
this may be the best of them all tonight. I, I hate to jinx the, the final because I'm sure it'll be great too, but, but it's really hard to beat LSU, who was number one for most of the year, and then when they weren't, yeah. Wake Forest was. And then not only that, you potentially you got Paul Skeens and Rhett Lauder, the two first-team All-America pitchers, uh, facing off against one another in an elimination game. This is like something Hollywood would write. That, that raises uh, the big question, Mark. Um, Paul Skeens, um, mm-hmm. he's always had five days rest. This would be mm-hmm. the shortest amount of rest he's had between starts. He threw 123 yeah. pitches over seven and two-thirds innings Saturday against Tennessee, his second most this season. I know if you ask Paul Skeens, yes, give me the ball. The question yeah. is... If he does get the ball, how long do you go with him? Yeah, that's a great question, and 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 that's that's one of the you know the knocks of pitching late into the postseason is in a lot of these postseason formats, it does lend themselves to bringing pitchers back early or extending them longer than you need them because you you really want to go with your best pitchers as often as you can, and and yeah. and that's one of the challenges that 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 Jay and, and, and Wes have to figure out because this, this is bigger than just LSU winning a championship when you consider what Paul Skeens has on the line. I mean, this, this is a guy who's either going to go first or second, you know, next, in, in, in the next month's draft. And, and he's good enough that he could be in the big leagues this year. I mean, that, that's right. how – I mean, he's just such an anomaly. So – you don't, don't really know don't you think? what the right answer is, I guess, is, is the point. And right. I think you just have to – he's not the first, you know, pitcher with a professional future to be brought back on Major League rest. The difference is, you know, he hasn't really done it yet. It doesn't mean he can't. Uh, he's certainly a big, strong guy who takes great care of his arm. He's in tremendous physical shape. Uh, he, I, I, would just, I would just kind of watch the long inning. Right, that's that's where you you run into trouble where you because he's a high pitch count guy because he gets so many strikeouts and right. if you have that inning where you get twenty five pitches in an inning or you know Lord forbid more than that then that's where I would I would see a short leash and, and they've got to look out for what's best for him and that's you know it's it's sort of counterintuitive because everything's about the team and everything's about winning a championship. But but at at what cost, right? And that's where you have to find that that balancing act to understand what is best for someone who's obviously got you know a generational wealth uh, sitting in front of him versus yeah. trying to do something to carve out a legacy and and be the you know give LSU a championship for the what the first time in in what two decades. Yeah, and make no mistake about it, you know there are some parents watching this that have really good sons that can throw a baseball and they're mm-hmm. watching and they're observing and you know it's it is it is more than just this moment right here it really isn't it's such a it's such a finite wake forest is kind of facing the same thing with Rhett louder aren't they yeah absolutely i mean Rhett louder is going to be one of the probably the third pitcher taken maybe maybe second if things fall right for him i mean certainly a, a great future ahead of him and the difference, I, th- I think, is Louder is not a uh, high pitch count guy. You know, he, he certainly can can get a lot of strikeouts, but but he's not as 
not as dominant. You know, he's not going to get the double-digit strikeouts consistently like Skeens is. And, and, and maybe he can be a little more efficient. And I think that's something that Skeens needs. You know, it's, it's hard to kind of change your game at this stage, but he needs to pitch to contact a little more if he wants to stay in the game longer. And that's, you know, he's yeah. just been so dominant. I don't know that that's, you know, <laughs> that's something you want to tinker with right now. Right. Now, go to the dance with, with what brought you yeah. to the dance. Um, and, and we'll see. And then, you know, there's that, there are those that say, no, don't do it. Don't start them, uh, you know, save them. But, but if you don't win today, then you've got your best so, player that's only played once. And boy, it's, yeah. this is when you really earn your keep. And I wouldn't want to be in Jay Johnson's shoes right now. It's a hard call. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think you, you have to pitch him if he's, if he's ready. If his body feels good, he's, he threw some yesterday just to kind of see how his arm would react, kind of push everything up a day, you know, doing doing some warm-up stuff. And, and I do think because of that, if he tells you, hey, I can go, then you just watch it and you see how it yeah. goes. And, and, and if things aren't going the way you want, then you go to that bullpen. And, frankly, the bullpen is, has been the undersung oh. hero, right? Of, no doubt. This guy stepping up and, and doing what, you know, what they – what they did at times this year, but but without any consistency, and and I think Nate Atkins, still some, yeah, with that, all with these Atkins lefties Housen, with with, with Riley Cooper with what he's been able to yes. do. Uh, Grip, uh, uh, was it Griffin Herring Griffin last Herring? night? I mean, just just a cast of guys, and you don't know who's going to be next. You know, the next guy who's going to get called on, who's going to step forward. I mean, and these lefties, other than Herring, um, Ackenhausen and uh, Cooper looked like they just came off of a, a bar run, and they, they don't look like great athletes, but they can pitch. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you're right. And I, I think one of the things that's helped is that you know it's a big ballpark, and the wind has been howling in for a lot of the, the, the weekend, and that makes it a little more forgiving place to pitch. Now, it's, certainly, you still have to make pitches, and you have to throw strikes, as Javen Coleman found out last night. You, you got to get it over the plate, but if you can do that. You know, it, the wind is going to cover up some of your mistakes, and that that works both ways. And certainly, LSU's yeah. offense has got to deal with that too. And that's, you know, that's why they, what they they got out hit last night, but they got the big hit that counted from Belosa, the you know, the line drive home run, and 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 that's that's the key is uh, getting your your big hit with a man on base as opposed to scattering him through the game. And that's why LSU still play it, you know, because yeah. all of these games have been relatively close, and, and they've been able to get the the clutch hits. The one game they lost, they, they just didn't get it right. It was right. It, it was a close game. It was anybody's game, but it's just uh, you know Wake Forest was just a little bit better that day. We have got Mark Etheridge, D one baseball. One thing I think every LSU fan prays for is LSU doesn't try to attempt another bunt. My goodness gracious, yeah, it <laughs> that's not pretty, a good bunting yeah. team. Don't don't take the bat out of their hands. Just swing away. Yeah, it, it hadn't been pretty. And, you know, if you don't do it all year and then you get a chance to do it and it's in a clutch moment and 25,000 people and everybody in the world's watching, it's it's tough tough to do it if you don't have a lot of confidence in it. And and, and I think a part of that's part of the ballpark. You know, is you're not able to hit the home run, so you're trying to, to score in other ways and move runners over and win with small ball. And, frankly, it's just not something LSU's had to do a whole lot because the offense has been so good. But Wake Forest can really pitch, and and with the ballpark playing the way it is, you you have to be a little bit creative. But maybe you're right. Maybe maybe it's more hit and run instead of bunch from now on, 
uh, to, to try to get this done. Florida's in the finals. It's not like they've actually um, stampeded teams. They've won all one-run games, uh, but they're in the catbird seat. They're sitting there resting, and they got to be so happy. Yeah, throw skeins. Um, yeah. Throw louder, please, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to sit back and watch. Not only did they get to play a day earlier, so they're, you know, they're, they're ahead from a pitching rest standpoint, but they've had to play one fewer game, and then the other teams are, are going to play an extra game on top of that, right? So I, I think yeah. that, um, you know, Florida's in great shape from a pitching standpoint. The, the question is, you know, LSU or Wake Forest, you know, whoever wins is, is certainly has enough depth to give Florida trouble. And you're right, Florida hasn't been killing people. They've just been able to make the plays and get the clutch hits and get the clutch outs, uh, even – even when they have to make a pitching change, you know, unexpectedly, uh, guys have stepped forward and, and and gotten it done. And I think that's that's the mark of a championship team. When things don't go your way, you don't get flustered. You you, you continue to stay in the fight, and good things happen. All right, Mark, who you got your money on tonight? I'm going with LSU. You know, I picked I picked Florida over TCU, and I felt real good because that happened. And then I picked. LSU over Wake Forest, and all those dominoes have fallen except one. So we'll see what happens tonight. But I, I do think that um, just because if schemes, if he can give you six solid and then that bullpen can turn it over and just piece it together from there, I, I like LSU's chances. I know you got a 2.30 meeting. I can't thank you enough for your time. Should be one heck of a ball game with two of the best pictures out there. Let the good times roll. Let's see what happens. Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball, thank you. Yeah, this is the good stuff. Enjoy it. All right, buddy. You take care. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll shift. Chris Paul looks like he's moving on, and it's not to a team in L.A. We'll tell you that, plus all the draft info with Ali Cassell next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There'll be a benefit performance held this Sunday for Grammy Award-winning Louisiana bass player Lee Allen Zeno of the famed Zydeco band Buckwheat Zydeco. The show will be held from 1 to 7 o'clock at the Showbox at 2431 West Congress Street in Lafayette. Cost is only 10 bucks at the door. The funds raised will help pay for the cost of repairs to Zeno's house to help make it livable again. So come out and watch some great music. For a great cause. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, while LSU will try to stay alive in the college baseball World Series, we've got the NBA draft tonight, and it's so critical for so many teams and We've already seen some wheeling and dealing going on. Christophe Porzingis heading to the Boston Celtics. It looks like Chris Paul is moving on to the Golden State Warriors. What, oh, what are the New Orleans Pelicans going to do? We've had so much smoke, but there's been no fire yet. Will there be? Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights joins us now to share his thoughts on a very, very important night in the association. Ali, 
Happy Thursday. Happy draft night tonight, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm excited about tonight. And putting, quelling, let's say quelling a lot of these rumors, right? Putting them to rest. Because I never truly believed in them. No way the Pelicans are going to move on from Brandon Ingram. Didn't feel the same, you know, even close to it with Zion either, right? Not for what the rumors out there were, right? Just trading for Scoot Henderson, the number two or number three pick for Zion Stripe never made any sense to me. Well, it certainly appears that way. It, it made for some interesting thoughts and interesting uh, fodder. And, of course, whenever yeah. you hear that, you got, oh, well, he's not happy in New Orleans and New Orleans isn't happy with him and this, that, and the other. And um, I, I just don't get that, to be quite honest with you. New Orleans has opened its arms to the kid. They've done everything in their power to it. He seems to love the city. We just got to get him healthy, got to get him right. Yeah, have to get him not only right, but also just focused on basketball a lot more, right? Yeah. So, right, not only just on the court, but also off the court, right? You've got to make sure that body stays in shape, whether you're hurt or not, things like that. And so hopefully this will have been the last right time that we go through this. I mean, four years, Jordy, it's time for him to honestly to grow up a little bit and get with it. And I, that's why I don't blame the Pelicans, right? I think that's why they were doing their due diligence on potentially making a deal, right? Zion's not untouchable around the league, right? He's not one of those guys. Few are, but he's not because of playing only 114 games in four years. Okay. 14th pick. Let's say they say they stay where they are. I know what I want the Pelicans to get. You tell me what in your best case scenario, what, what type of player, what style of player do the Pelicans need? Yeah. My, my hope is them landing Kobe Buffkin guard a wing combo guard out of Michigan. He's okay. got no weaknesses, Jordy. He's about six foot four, six foot five, can play defense, can play make, can shoot, good athleticism, good finisher. Like I said, he's got nothing that's a negative. And he just when you watch him play, I watched a couple of his games this year. I was really, you know, I like players that play with a good feel, good head on their shoulders, and just the game looks like natural to them. Right, they can do everything for you. Um, there's no hiccups, none, none of these obvious weaknesses, which I think really kill you once you hit the NBA level. So, Kobe Buffkin for me is, like I said, the hope. Problem is, I think he's going to go before the 14th pick. So maybe he falls. If he does, that'd be great. But if not, I'm, I'm expecting for somebody maybe say like Derek Lively, right, to be sitting there for the Pelicans at 14. Maybe Jordan Hawkins, maybe Grady Dick, right. So you'd be looking to fill the center position or adding more shooting if you're the Pelicans. That's what I want. I want, and I don't, you know, it, it seems like every draft, the Pelicans love size. They love 6'8", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, wings and people like that. I want a guard. Um, I really like the Jordan Hawkins kid from, from UConn. Mm -hmm. he, I think he's the best um, movement shooter in this class. He, he, he sets screens. He comes out. He can stop on a dime, get open. He can make threes. Um, he, he's part of a national championship team, so he's been in the biggest games on the biggest stage. Uh, I really like that. I want them to get a 6'4", 6'5", that can handle it and that can flat out shoot it. Um, we got enough wings out there, I think. Uh, we don't I'm, have I'm enough. So with you. <laughs> we don't have you enough have in the backcourt. Right. The thing is, the Pel it's a league full of guards, and the Pelicans honestly don't have enough. And we saw that, right. especially when C.J. McCollum got hurt last year. 
And I think Jordan Hawkins would fit that bill. That's why Kobe Buffkin, he's my ultimate dream, right, yeah. that combo guard. But if not, get that Jordan Hawkins. Get that shooter. And I'll tell you what, I watched Villanova play uh, Connecticut a couple times, and Jordan Hawkins impressed me a whole lot more than think Cam Whit- uh, Whitmore. I think yes. Hawkins, like you said, can play the game. He understands. He plays his role to a T. And for, on this Pelicans team, having somebody like him instead of Grady Dick makes more sense simply because they already have all their wings, right? I'm not sure how Grady Dick would fit in the rotation. You need somebody mm-hmm. to play some of these guard positions to guard some of the faster ones and twos, right? Because Brandon's not going to do it. Trey, Trey Murphy, no. You know, um, Zion, same thing. But Jordan Hawkins, right, especially behind C.J. McCollum, there could be a role for him. So I love it. Pelicans, yeah. one of the worst three-point shooting teams, didn't attempt enough, didn't make enough. You've got to shore that up. And I think Jordan Hawkins is like kind of a shortcut to doing that. Give me those. Give me one of those two. I like Buffkin as well. I like you. I don't think he's going to be around. Um, but if mm-hmm. he is, great. If not, then I'd look at Jordan Hawkins, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't hesitate. I don't want a big seven footer. I don't want that. I, I, it's just, I, I need a guard. I need guard play. If the Pels, well, do you give the Pels a shot at moving up at all? There's a couple of, you know, maybe there's a. Uh, I hear a Dallas at number ten or number eleven is, is going to become available. Um, do you do you pick that can down the road a little bit and ensure yourself the possibility of getting a Buffkin? I do because I do know that the Pelicans have inquired about moving up in just about every single draft, right? Doing something different. I, I know that when Franz Wagner was there, they liked him. Josh Giddy, they thought about moving up in that draft. Same thing when Patrick Williams was coming out uh, when they drafted Kyra Lewis. They really had eyesights on him. But the problem is these teams that have those high draft picks, they ask for the sun and the moon. And I don't blame Griff for not paying it. So maybe some team would be closer to more equal value if that comes to be, right, because the team either has enough young guys, enough draft picks, they're willing to move off of that pick. Then, of course, that scenario would open up for the Pelicans, and I think they would pounce. Like I said, Griff always circles like two or three names in every draft. And so that usually requires, like I said, moving from the position you're at. So don't think the chances are high, but the uh, the potential exists just based on past history. What do you think of uh, the number one pick in the draft, Victor Wembayana? What's, what's a reasonable expectation of him uh, in a rookie season with the San Antonio Spurs? Generally, you get a guy – look, it took LeBron James three years – to get to the uh, get to the playoffs, you know, it's like it doesn't just happen overnight. But what do you, what's reasonable for Victor? I think a playing tournament is a reasonable chance that you know, as from a team perspective, for the Spurs to make some noise. I like their talent. I, I love Devin Vassell. I think Keldon Johnson is solid, and, and Sohan. I love Jeremy Sohan. So you've got. The shooter in Vassell, right, can score from anywhere. Got that length you love. Sohan's kind of like a taller Herb Jones to me. Um, and then, of course, Keldon Johnson's your 15- to 20-point score. Yeah, Victor Wimbanyama, who I think is going to average. You know, you've got to think he's going to be close to, what, 18, 20 points a game. Probably going to fall into about nine rebounds just because of his length. I know he'll get bullied, right? Guards are going to push him off his position. He's got such a high center of gravity. He weighs, I think, about 225, but... Look, he's got the length. So even if you're getting pushed off, he's got those go-go gadget arms that are going to reach everything. Yep. And, of course, defensively, 
Jordy, I think we're going to see him be that true, legitimate shot blocker that he was over there in Europe. Yeah. He's going to fall into four blocks because opponents, they're going to go up against him and not realize that really this guy is that long. Right? I heard that even his hand is about a foot long, right? 12 inches. So I've heard you know, he's going to be able to defend not only the rim but on that same possession, probably get out to the three-point line and shot a three-point shot because that's what he did in Europe, right? He basically guarded two positions on a single possession because he had the length and the speed, agility to do it. So he's going to surprise people. I think he's a true, true franchise-changing type of player. He's going to take a few years, I'm with you, for the team's success to fall, for him to grow into his body some more. But, boy, that talent I think is undeniable. Yeah, I think he falls into 20 points, 10 rebounds, four or five blocks. I think he falls out of bed and does that. Um, And I'm praying and hoping – that the kid stays healthy. Boston, Washington, Memphis. Um, Boston gets Kristaps Porzingis. Washington gets Tyus Jones. Memphis gets Marcus Smart. It's obvious like that Washington deal. Washington is just blowing it up and rebuilding. I think Boston and Porzingis, that's scary to me. Oh, me too, Jordy. Rob Williams, they haven't been able to rely on for health reasons. Now you're adding a guy who's got a checkered uh, injury pass, too. But not only can he defend the rim, right? He shuts down the paint with his incredible length, standing 7-3. He can knock down that outside shot. I think he's perfect. I I think Boston nailed it. And they had to move off one of their guards, right? They had a a glut of them in Smart, uh, White, and then Bogdan. I think moving off of Smart and then also getting two first-round picks from Memphis is a steal for Boston. I actually love this for the Celtics. Celtics are unbelievable. Uh, Chris Paul looks like he's moving to the Golden State Warriors for Jordan Poole, a couple of draft prospects down the road. Um, Chris Paul with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Draymond Green's not going anywhere. Um, what do you think of that deal? I like it for Golden State. They they wanted to cut money, right? They're paying way too much in tax, and with this new CBA, the penalties are going to be harsher. Moving off of Jordan Poole made all the sense in the world. You saw the friction. Either Green or Jordan Poole were going to go. You felt like this summer, yeah. and we got our answer today. So they got yeah. off of his money, his long contract, and now Chris Paul can help. I think a, a Golden State Warrior offense that is suited for CP3's talent. Steph and Clay, right, Jordan, we know they love to operate off the ball. There's no two guards right. that set better back screens, backdoor cuts, can catch it. If you got your head turned momentarily, they're in that open space scoring, getting a pass from Draymond Green. Now, CP3 can also throw those passes. Now, Steve Kerr is never going to have to go without having a dynamic playmaker with one of his two scoring studs when either Green or Chris Paul sits, right? So he'll have at least one of those guys out there. So their offense, I don't think, is ever going to miss a beat. I think it really helps them. If, he, if Chris Paul can stay healthy, especially in the playoffs, it's going to help him. Yeah, and I think they'll manage his minutes and, and yes. for that. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Um, we know Victor Wembanyama is going number one to San Antonio. Charlotte's at number two. Do they go for Scoot or do they go for Brandon Miller from Alabama? I I, I don't understand any world where you don't go for Scoot Henderson. I think his talent is a level above Brandon Miller's. I think he's that impact alpha guard that can score in a multiple amount of ways. He's going to be a multiple-time all-star. And I think he's going to grow into his shooting. But his athleticism, his his abilities, his work ethic, it's something you want. And – if there was no Victor Wembanyama, would undoubtedly go number one. Brandon Miller just has the length, right, that shooting ability. But I'm not truly sure that he has enough of an aggressive mindset to develop his skills 
or go up against NBA competition where you're going to get the best out of him every night. So if I'm Charlotte, I go scoop because I know that it may be a better fit on paper, right? Because you've got your point guard and LaMelo ball, but well, you've got to take the best count. And I think Henderson, like I said, is above Miller, a notch for me. And then the big key comes with Portland at number three. Damian Lillard has already said, I don't want to go with a youth movement. He wants them to trade the pick and get himself another star to play along with him. If Portland doesn't do that and they pick a Brandon Miller, how many teams are going to line up for Dame Lillard? At least he's going to be gone. A dozen, right? <laughs> There's going to yeah. be a lot, Jordan. I think, without a doubt, Portland is going to draft a young guy. And we're going to hear about Damian Lowe getting traded. The rumors are going to start real soon. Miami, I know they want him desperately, but I'm not sure how you get him if you're Miami. Do you trade him just for Tyler here and some? Not, you know, the picks aren't that alluring. Um, Brooklyn Nets could get very interesting, right? They have a lot of picks and some good young talent to send back to Portland. But either way, I think Damian Lillard's days in Portland are done. Question is, where does he end up? What about Brandon Ingram for Dame Lillard? If they didn't have C.J. McCollum, I would seriously entertain that. But I think once you've now you've gone down this road. And, what about C.J. and Brandon Ingram for Dame Lillard? <laughs> well, do you think Portland wants to take him back? I think that'd be funny. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, Jordy, I think that ship sailed for the Pelicans because, you you know, they have built everything around Brandon Ingram. And right now I know Damian Lillard is probably the better player, right? He's coming off his best season. He's going to be making $50 million. He's going to be – Start trending downwards, you think, sometime soon. And here's the other thing. He has to want to come to New Orleans. If I'm him, I don't think I'd want to come to New Orleans. There's probably other places, because you're going to be championship chasing, remember, and you can't rely on Zion. I'd rather go somewhere else if I'm him. Oh, don't tell me the Lakers are going to get him. What what do they have to offer? They got nothing. I don't know. Austin Reeves supposedly is the next best thing to LeBron James nowadays, so maybe. I don't know. But I agree with you, yeah. Come on. All right. So, um, what are the odds you give of the Pelicans moving up, even if it's just two or three spots? You give them 20% chance, 30% chance, 0% chance? It's probably something about 5 to 10%. I know that okay. Griff probably has his eye on, and we'll learn about this after the draft on a player or two. So, I know that guy exists, just don't know who it is. So, obviously, he's going to try and get him besides Scoot. I bet you there's at least another. But chances like it's of that happening are so remote. But do the Pelicans have a second-round pick? I'm not sure. No, not this year, no. No, okay. All right, well, we uh, we shall see what happens. Don't I don't want Derek Lively. I know he's 7-1. He's 19 years old. He, yeah. he can't score. He cannot score. I need a guy that can score. Give me the guard that can score. Please, Ollie, please. Yeah, you draft him if you think that you can develop into somebody better than Capella, somebody that's going to make an impact. Because I think his versatility and his length and all that is real, but he needs to learn how to still play basketball, and that's going to take two years. And with Jackson Hayes, he never got there. Who's to say Lively won't kind of fall in that same uh, trap? There's no time for, for building for three years down the road. Yeah. we got to win, yeah. we win now, that. man. Now is the time. Yeah, I'm with you. That's why if Lively was more ready prospect, I'd be a lot more enamored with filling a hole, right, an obvious hole in the Pelicans because they don't have a long-term solution. But 
I'm with you. This team wants to win now, and everything that Griff, the players are saying, they want to do that. So going with Lively just really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay. Um, I'll have baseball on one channel. I'll have the draft on another. Um, and we shall wait and see what occurs. But I don't know. Something tells me the Pels may do something. Uh, you know, Griff, Griff is, he's not your typical GM. He, he doesn't sit still. He kind of moves around a little bit. We'll, we'll, and I think there's some teams that want to get out of their pick, particularly Dallas at 10, Orlando at 11. If there's a player mm-hmm. you target and covet, why not? Move up, go get them, and, and give them some picks down the road, man. Who cares? I agree with you. They have the draft capital, right? So unless you're saving it for a vet, maybe in dra- uh, draft agency in July, move one now. I'm with you. Get the guy you want because you've got the reserves. You can't keep all your draft picks. Nobody ever does, and they've got plenty coming right. up over the next seven years. Yeah. And, and the chances of a second round pick or something, you know, of hitting, I mean, every once in a while you get one, but most of the time, uh, see you later. I, goodbye. It's just, it's too hard. And these players are too darn good. We'll see. I can't wait to see what they do. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping Ali Cassell, I will, uh, I will text you if I like the pick. All right. Absolutely. Because I'll tell you what, Griffin seems to be trending in the right direction, right? I mean, besides Zion that first year didn't nail really anything. Kyra Lewis remains to be seen, but it's not looking good. But since then, he's, like I said, been trending upward. So it's exciting that maybe the Pelicans have figured something out, that they will get the guy they need. And that could help this roster because they've got holes. Yeah. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. You are the best, my friend. Enjoy it. And we'll talk later. We'll see what happens. Pels to the playoffs, baby. Pels to the finals. Let's do it. Oh, puck it into existence, Jordy. Last year was too disappointing <laughs> for me, that stretch down the end. I'm with you. <laughs> I will, my friend. Thanks for the time, as always, buddy. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. We'll wrap up uh, hour number one after this uh, timeout. Stay with us. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And some of our great partners, ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just you just can't shop right at all. Period. I Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon is the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon, located in Lafayette. In Baton Rouge and in Mandeville, call, get a free consultation and see how it can work wonders for you. By the Louisiana Lottery, so many chances to win, but you can't win until you start playing. And please play responsibly. By D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon, with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, best cheeseburger I've ever had. And by Cajun Chef, oh, right there in St. Martinville, the B. Art family, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 
Uh, we're back 55 minutes after the hour. Deion Sanders, the coach at um, Colorado, is having emergency surgery tomorrow for a blood clot in his groin. So we wish him uh, nothing but the best. Um, of course, the big story locally is the NCAA has issued finally their ruling um on lsu men's basketball and lsu football uh, it's just it's not all that it's just it's it's just not um three years probation and um will wade um a 10 game suspension mcneese already gave him a five game suspension so he'll serve five more uh, off of that a two-year show cause um, it's really, he's going to coach. He, he's going to be just fine. He just, he's going to be just fine. Um, teams are both LSU basketball, men's football. Uh, they're both on probation for three years. Football team vacated all 37 wins from 2012 to 2015. Who cares? It's not that big of a deal. And there's some people out there that are now saying, the biggest takeaway is that LSU firing Will Wade was absolutely a mistake. A two-year show cause and a 10-game suspension for something that, well, look, trust me. Let me just tell you this right now. Whoever thinks that, realize this. If LSU had not fired him and he had moved on, I promise you the penalties would have been a lot more strict on LSU and Will Wade. I can promise you that. LSU football, LSU basketball, they they took some matters into their own hands, and the NCAA said, you've done enough. We'll move on from there. Hour number two next. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. LSU Wake Forest, um, winner take all tonight. The NBA draft tonight, Pell's at number 14. Chris Paul going to Golden State for Jordan Poole and some draft assets, and on and on and on we go. But tonight at 6 o'clock, LSU versus Wake Forest, 5.30 pregame show, 6 o'clock first picks. You can listen to it right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. To Skeens or not to Skeens, that is the question. He's coming off of four days rest. He just pitched hundred through 123 pitches in a win Saturday over Tennessee. What do you do? How do you handle this scenario? That's what Jake Johnson and Wes Johnson have to figure out. Ooh, it's a tough, tough decision, but we shall see. I want to go to a former LSU baseball player who is a, a public speaker, professional hitter, does it all. Friend of the program, Chris Reed, kind enough to join us to get his thoughts on tonight's matchup. Chris, thank you for the time, my friend. How are you? Doing well. Just uh, obviously very excited for the uh, the game tonight and see how the Tigers can come out and fare. 
when I bring up the name of Paul Skeens, I mean, the look, I know he wants the baseball. I know that. Um, I mentioned it before. Through 123 pitches over seven and two-thirds innings in his last start Saturday. He's going to come off of four days rest. That's the shortest amount of rest he's had between starts this year. Most of them have been, all of them have been five days. Season on the line. He's got a professional career coming down the line. He may be on a pro team in the big leagues pitching uh, this fall. Chris Reed, you've been a baseball player all your life. Tell me what's going through Jake Johnson's mind, Paul Skeen's mind. What do you do in this scenario where you know he wants it, but you got the future to think of as well? Yeah, from the Jay Johnson side of things, you know, a coach is there in this situation to really protect uh, the player because I think we can all agree that Paul Skeens is a uh, is a competitor at heart. And yeah. with that being said, he he's going to want the ball. I mean, he would be crazy not to want the ball uh, in this situation. And the coach has to make sure that everything is in alignment and that he's watching out for the player's best interest um, and, and not just let the, the player himself make the decision. Uh, and obviously on the flip side, um, from, for, uh, for Skeens, he obviously is going to want the ball. He's on, like you said, short rest, 120 pitches not too long ago. Um, it really comes down to the process that the team has um, and, and the process that they, they follow. The medical staff, whether that be with Jay um, and his, obviously the health and the, the armrest, um, everything comes into the equation and, and really is going to determine on if they allow him to pitch or not. Um, he's very young, obviously. He has the body. Um, you know, to be able to handle pitching on short rest. Um, with that being said, um, like everything comes down to if the arm is showing signs of what I would consider deterioration from throwing 120 pitches four days ago um, or anything of that. But I don't really, you know, I don't really see anything against it, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did hold him back. able to detect would, would it be as simple as saying well golly he's he's always up in the 99 100 101 on his fastball what if that thing dips to like 95 out the gate would that be a telltale sign yes yeah you, uh i wouldn't really look too much to the velocity side of things out the gate okay. i think his velo will be fine um his arm yeah, I feel like his default velo is probably around 96, 97. Um, okay. I would look more to the location side of things. When you have any pitching uh, or any pitcher that that is going on short rest or maybe even not, and he just may be tired, the velocity will be usually the second thing to come. The location is usually the first. Um, okay. If we start to see wobble, you know, wobbleness in the location side of things early on and then a short, you know, but I guess steady decline in D-low, that'll tell us a really quick um, glimpse in that he is he's tired and he's kind of being thinned out a little bit. So oh, look it's for a, it's, the it's a, location to be the tall tale sign. It's a danged if you do, danged if you don't, because he's a strikeout pitcher, so he is going to be throwing more pitches than the normal pitcher who throws to contact 
you can't tell Skeens to throw to contact, can you? Get, go go pick your game if you're in there. And if you're you're fortunate and get five, six innings out of him, uh, that's great. But, I, I, boy, this is a tough call, man. It really is a tough call. Well, that's that's why, Jordy, that's why they pay him the big bucks. And, and speaking of Coach Johnson, uh, you know, like, like I mentioned, he has the body to be able to do it. Another big thing that determines um, – you know, pitching on short rest is how much effort you put into your delivery. That's a big thing that the pros look at um, when drafting kids. It's also a big thing they look at when determining in the postseason whether or not they can go on short rest. And I, I believe uh, Paul Skeens obviously does not have a high effort delivery. Um, it's very repeatable, and uh, so I, I feel like I feel like he has the ability to go. Um, like you mentioned, though. How long is it? Is it five? Is it seven? Who knows? But whatever we get out of them, I think obviously LSU fans would be very ecstatic to watch them pitch and obviously have a shot at breaking the uh, all-time strikeout record at LSU. That's true. That's true. Chris Reed, kind enough to join us. Chris, I need you to go and coach this team how to bunt. My God, I don't want to see another player try to bunt the ball, Chris. It's killing me. Yeah, we haven't bunted much all season. Uh, I know the guys they practice it. Don't don't get me wrong. They practice it, but practice is not the same as the game, Jordy. You know that with basketball, it it's not the same. You can go through all the different situations um, and, and try to throw everything at the players that they can handle. And when the lights come on, it's a different game. And yeah. you know, bunning in that situation with Trey, I know it was the was the um, highlight for a lot of uh, LSU fans to kind of attack or question uh, the philosophy. Um, but I honestly didn't mind it too much because I believe Jay was really, really worried about just getting that one more run uh, right. to alleviate right. any of our pitching um, woes uh, from the equation. So obviously you hate to take the, the bat out of, you know, one of your hottest hitters uh, for the last couple weeks, but in terms of, the betterment for the team. I felt like the yeah. situation uh, called for a bunt. Yeah. Uh, Kay Beloso with the three run Homer. And then these left-handers, I love them. Uh, they, they don't look like world-class athletes, but Ackenhausen, uh, Riley Cooper, I, I love them. And then we saw what Herring did last night. Are all three of those out of the equation for tonight or can Cooper do it again? I, I believe uh, a couple of those, uh, you know, can very well be in play tonight. Uh, Cooper, I know he's thrown almost like three times in the College World Series so far, but yeah, I believe the way he's structured, he's one of those guys with what they would consider a rubber arm, and uh -huh. I feel like he could go at least, you know, one or two innings tonight if need be. Uh, I don't see a reason other than hesitancy coming off of Tommy John that Coleman couldn't throw again tonight uh, with uh, only throwing 40 pitches last night. Yeah. Um, that's 40 pitches is basically, you know, a short ground or, or flat ground for, for the pitchers on their off days. So that's, it wasn't like a huge amount of effort being put into a pitching performance for him. Um, so he's available. I would say Herring's not available, but Herring could very well be available in three to four days. Um, gotcha. You know, I, I, I think my eye right now is really on Gidry for tonight. 
Okay. Um, do you think the moment was too big for Coleman? I mean, it, he just couldn't throw a strike. Um, and, and God bless him. Uh, he just couldn't get the ball over the plate. You put, you walk people. That's a, that's the, that's the recipe for disaster. And, uh, they got him out quickly. Was the moment too big in your opinion? You know, unfortunately, I believe so. Um, and, yeah. and really, the indicator to me uh, was early on his velo was down compared to what we normally see him at. You know, he's normally yeah. 92, 94, but he didn't get to 94 until maybe the second or third batter um, and then really didn't quite get back up there um, throughout the rest of the night. And it looked like he was more or less guiding the ball than he was pitching. And and that's usually a, a, a sign that a pitcher is kind of feeling the moment um, and not really living in it is what I, was how I would like to describe it. And um, I, I hated to see it for him because he's been really good in situations for us this year. Um, he's obviously coming off of Tommy John 16 months ago or something like that. And uh, he has all the makeup to be really, really good for the Tigers. It just, you know, unfortunately last night it didn't work out for him, and I really have to give props to Coach Jay Johnson for taking him out as quickly as he did. Yes. Um, yes. Because if you look at it from the flip side, Jordy, Wake Forest has coached in and take their guy out nearly no. as quick, and it led to, you know, a, a pretty big inning for the Tigers, and, uh, and no ultimately it, it led to a win. And that's a great point uh, from Chris Reed, who's been there and done that. You know what's – LSU hasn't had that game yet where the bats just exploded. They got out hit last night, seven to six. Um, I mean, they, they just haven't really gotten their back together with the bat. Not tonight would be the perfect time to do it. And boy, they're overdue. Yeah. I, I think a large piece of that, um, and what has probably been the most aggravating part so far for, I'm sure, not only the fans but the players themselves, is that that statistic and, and their, their batting average for the College World Series is so low and dragged down, unfortunately, because of the bottom of the lineup. And the bottom of the lineup has been huge for us uh, recently and, and really throughout the year. Um, and I really hate to see, you know, how it's unfolded for them because now obviously it's going to be a lot of mental stress uh, throughout yeah. this game and hopefully a few more. Um, but we have to have production from the bottom of the lineup. I feel like Cruz kind of is starting to feel himself again. Tommy Tanks had some good at bats. Uh, Trey Morgan's obviously on fire right now. Um, fire. But really, yes. I'm looking to Jordan Thompson to really lead the way on the back half of this lineup. We have to have production out of him offensively uh, to get to where we want to be. That's you know that was a big staple in Coach Maneri's philosophy is that our shortstop has to produce offensively, but also be very very strong defensively. Uh, they're obviously the leader of the team um, and, and carries a lot of weight in the eyes of the other players. Uh, you know, I, I, I like I said, I hate that. He's going through a slump right now because I think more than anybody, he obviously wants to perform well for the team, um, but really hoping that they can pick it up tonight and have that, like you mentioned, have that game that, you know, they, they, they all show up as a collective unit and really put it on them. Cause I think we can at night. I know their pitcher's good, um, but he hasn't been pitching that well. And, and I think it just serves up a really good opportunity for them. 
Are you surprised? And I'm not second guessing uh, the skipper at all, the manager. Um, hadn't seen Hayden Travinsky in a while, and he was hot coming into this thing. What, what, what's going on there, in your opinion? Yeah, I've I've, um, I've gotten some texts from some people about that he may be uh, nursing an injury or this and that. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, he obviously has been going through a rough time in Omaha. I believe he was what zero for seven or zero for eight um, so far. And yeah. I believe really what it boiled down to is that in a park where it's hard to score runs, we just can't really allow our defensive woes from a catching perspective to be the difference maker in a game. And honestly, he's been playing very good um, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, But I just feel like they wanted the more surefire lockdown catcher back there that can really gun people out when need be, um, you know, in this big ballpark, definitely since the wind's been blowing in consistently almost every game. Malazzo went two for four last night. So uh, there you go. Chris Reed, uh, you've been in these big games, these big moments. Um, you know, it's the old cliche, all hands on deck. And it, it certainly resonates for this one. No question about that. Um, when you look at Wake Forest, you look at LSU, uh, if they both go with their their pictures, it's two of the best pictures in all of college baseball. So, so what is the key to this thing tonight, in your opinion? Well, the key... I think the biggest key, um, besides you know, outside of the normal, you got to play defense, you got to throw the yep. strikes and not walk anybody. Um, really, yep. is going to be the bottom of both lineups. If if both lineups can can really, I mean, even go, you know, just scratch a few hits off the board, uh, I think that's going to be the biggest. Uh, move in the needle in terms of what can sway the game from one side or the other because both one through fours on each team are, are very, very capable of, of doing damage. Um, but with the Aces going tonight, runs are more than likely going to be at a premium and you have to be able to have guys come up in situations, a high leverage situations, um, that maybe aren't your best guys and you got to have them come through. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it, it's the biggest game of the year. Um, yeah. We have the probably the best two pitchers in college baseball facing yeah. each other. It's not going to be an easy night for the hitters, but you got to fight, scratch, and claw um, your way out of a hole, and you, you just got to get it done. It's uh, that's I think that's really where we're going to look to um, see you know what the difference maker is. Is going to be the back of the lineup. LSU's had a, a kind of a unsung hero step up throughout this College World Series. Maybe tonight it's the Cruz White Morgan uh, trio that have guided this team all year long, along with Skeens. Maybe the stars uh, shine tonight. If not, then your your certainly your your call will be very very prevalent. How will Jordan Thompson, who's long overdue, Josh Pearson, even longer overdue? Mm-hmm. How will they fare? Or does does Jay make a change and, and take Pearson out and put somebody else in? That's the question mark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we have, uh, you know, we have a, a squad of capable people right behind, um, you know, those that six through nine spot. 
Um, and honestly, some younger guys that may benefit from the experience of playing in a, you know, such a large game. Um, I, I don't foresee them making a change, uh, but it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be out of this world to, to see one happen. But um, yeah, we, we really got to really got to nail down uh, the back end of that lineup and really, and really got to sit there. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling so hard for Jordan Thompson, man. It's, He's been such a key factor in LSU over the last couple of years, and obviously coming off that that tough year last year, and and I think everybody, you know, along with myself, really wants to see him do well and pull through for the Tigers in a lar- in a really really large spot tonight. So hopefully, like you said, the the stars align, the Tigers get a victory, and we uh, we march our way into the national championship for another time. Let me throw one last one at you, and just work with me here. Let's say you don't start skiing. Let's say say you start Thatcher Hurd. You use skeins for two or three innings to close out the game. Skeins then, in all likelihood, could start Sunday against Florida. What are the chances of something like that happening? Yeah, actually, you're kind of getting into what I've been uh, alluding to on social media posts uh, and also, you know, in my fancy football uh, league group message and all these other group messages that I'm in, um, we've been obviously heavily discussing uh, what to do tonight with schemes or if not even save him for game one in the national championship. I understand, you know, you have to get to the national championship, you know, to obviously even have a chance. But I personally have so many flashbacks and PTSD from our championship run and, 2017 where we came up short and we were in the same predicament that they are in. Uh, We pitched our ace in this game and Lang unfortunately was not able to pitch in the uh, championship series. And, you know, making it to the series is one thing, but we just weren't, you know, it was such an uphill battle. Um, They had Florida had their ace going and we had, you know, not, 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 not saying anything bad, but we had Russell Reynolds, which has not pitched very much that year. Um, right. And he was our go-to guy. So, you know, obviously the cards were stacked against us. And, you know, I, I'm i okay. It, like I said, if Jay Johnson holds schemes out and relies on our bullpen like we've been doing for most of, you know, the College World Series and the yeah. postseason in general, um, you know, I'd be okay with that. I know a lot of fans won't be okay with it. Um, but you know, it'd be okay with it. If he does pitch two or three innings tonight, I highly doubt he would be able to go on Sunday. Uh, but Monday would probably be, um, on a pitch count. And then if we happen to make it to the third day on Wednesday, I believe and when he hasn't pitched yet, I believe he's a full go. Um, I feel like he'd be 120 pitches ready to go. So um, it'll be we shall see. very interesting Big to decision. see how, how Chris everything Reed, plays I, out here, Jordy. Yeah, Chris Reed, I can't thank you enough, buddy. Uh, we'll all be on pins and needles, buddy. Thank you for your time as always. Enjoy the ball game. And let's let's go Tigers, baby. Let's go. Go Tigers, baby. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
Looking for great deals and look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. There are plenty of two-for-one deals available right now. You can get a $30 voucher to La Hacienda for only $15. You can score a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50. You can also get a $40 voucher to Misfits Dine and Drink for only $20. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com to take advantage of these deals and so many more. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, still to come, uh, Matthew Bruni on LSU baseball and the uh, NCAA rulings on LSU basketball and LSU football. Back to some more baseball. Jake Johnson, so critical um, in pressurized situations. Um, how do you handle it? And this team seems to be as loose as a goose. And here's Jay with talking about just that in elimination games. How do they stay so loose? All right. Yeah, I think um... – you know, in the first meeting of the year, every year, one thing I tell them is 365 days a year, we're going to work on mindset. We expect to be here. We expect to be playing uh, important baseball in June. And we play every game like we're playing important baseball in June. Like the, the Tuesday on March 22nd against McNeese is a playoff game to us. And the thought process behind that is if you do that all year long, then you can just stay in character when you get to the postseason. And that's something that I adopted early on in my career, and I think it's really benefited us in tournament play. It certainly has. Um, And we've talked about this. In a situation where you're coming through a loser's bracket, you got to rely on people who maybe maybe haven't been – um, as dependable as you would have liked them to be early on. But given the scenario, given the situation, they have stepped up. And I'm talking about Ackenhausen. I'm talking about Cooper. I'm talking about Herring. Jake Johnson, what has allowed the pitching staff to be so successful lately? Well, I, I have two thoughts on that. I think, um, number one, I don't think the season was – um, as bad as people made it out to be like look at our schedule like just look back at who we've played and then uh, the southeastern conference is not friendly as far as the environments that these guys pitch in you know not just not from fan standpoint but from the ball they're small I mean I don't have any other way to say it and you're going to give up some runs in league and that's every staff in the SEC so I think part of it was some of that I think, um, you know, the best coach that any player is ever going to have in their life is playing time and, and being through some of that. So when you look back at a, a couple of the speed bumps, you know, I think about Auburn, you know, and, and Mississippi State, um, you know, we, we didn't want to waste those losses or failure. And I think we learned a lot of things, you know, both as coaches, um, you know, we've adjusted some of the preparation things. We've adjusted some of the usage, not just in how, you know, what pitches they throw, but how we're using guys. And um, so I think it's just been a good team effort. And I think we've got guys that are good. I think we've evaluated really good with this roster. We feel like uh, we've learned it better as the season's gone along. And, you know, another thought that we talk about early is like, let's play well enough to win games early in the season so you can be in the NCAA tournament. But let's figure out our best team as, as we go. Makes sense. Um, 
So LSU is, as any team would have to, they've stretched the pitching staff to get through the loser's bracket and force a deciding third game tonight against Wake Forest. The only pictures LSU has not used are sophomore Sam Dutton, junior Bryce Collins, and junior Christian Little. The big decision, you start Skeens, and if you do, how long do you go? Do you hold off a Skeens, start start a Thatcher Hurd, take Skeens out of the bullpen and let him pitch two or three innings and then get to a, a Riley Cooper or a Gavin Guidry? That's the decision you have to make. All these players want the ball. It doesn't matter. It, they, they all want the ball, but they've got to be honest. They've got to be smart. They've got to do the right thing for the team. For the team. That's what they have to do. Coach is not coach is going to rely on Paul Skeens. He's going to watch him during, you know, watch him throw today, warm up and all that kind of stuff, and they'll make a decision. Um, maybe they've made the decision already. Uh, who knows? We'll all find out in about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. That's it. Man, this is exciting. This is really good stuff. Two best teams in baseball right now, right here. Rhett Louder, expected to get the start for Wake. 15-0 and with a 1.99 ERA. One of the best pitchers in the nation. Maybe he goes against the best, the very best picture in the nation in Paul Skeens. We shall see. I will take a quick time out here when we come back. More on this and the NCAA rulings on LSU with my buddy Matthew Bruni. Stay with us. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the St. Landry Fire District Number 5 is looking for volunteer firefighters. You must be 18 years old or older to apply. All training and equipment is paid for by the district. This is a great starter program to get into fire service, an even better way to get involved in your community. If interested in serving the community as a volunteer firefighter, please call Jim at 337-278-2468. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest. The best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, the news never stops when it comes to the old war school in LSU. Um, the NCAA handed down its um, infractions case regarding the men's basketball and football programs. And we got a pretty important baseball game tonight to say the very, very least. So with that in mind, we bring in from BengalTiger.com uh, on BengalTiger.com, uh, my good friend, Matthew Bruni. Matthew, good afternoon, sir. Um, how is your day going so far? <laughs> it's going well. I wrote a, you know, Paul Skeen story, um, wrote a football story and, um, obviously, the, the whole 
uh, NCAA decision comes down. So a lot going on. It's crazy. The football, I mean, we're only 40 days away from August 1st, which still wow. feels very close. <laughs> Four years to get to the point where you get a three-year probation, 10-game suspension for a coach, and a two-year show cause. Man, I think I could have done that pretty quickly. Yeah, it um, it definitely felt like you want to give LSU a little bit of credit, I guess, for getting ahead of yes. it. If you assume yes. that if Will Wade was still the coach, it would be very different. Um, but like you said, this decision could have been made quickly. Um, and obviously, if it was going to be more severe with Will Wade as, as the head coach, then they could have made that decision while he was still there and then if LSU fired him, then they could have gone from there. But, yeah, it definitely feels – I don't want to you know, downplay it because it did put this men's basketball program into a state of change where they were – they did win a SEC title, and now they fired the coach. They went with McMahon. McMahon was hired with a cloud over the head of the program. So, if nothing else, LSU did – have some punishment out of this. LSU did suffer from this no as far as the men's basketball program goes. But um, when you see it in writing and you see the overall impact of it, um, it's very minimal. And uh, we'll wait. We'll get a 10-game suspension and uh, a little bit of recruiting um, impediments going in the couple, in the coming years at McNeese. But um, overall, he looks like it's it's fine for him as well. Overall, he's back doing what he wants to do. And look, people that say, oh, they they fired Will Wade too soon. They should never have fired him. I promise you, if Will Wade was still the coach of LSU basketball, this penalty would have been significantly, significantly more uh, than what it is right now. Yes, yes. um, Definitely, he was still the head coach and... Uh, now, there, it was a little unclear to me figuring out exactly what they were able to find uh, because they the wiretap situation was a little um, unclear to me of what exactly they got from that. But still, they had enough um, to where I think we've seen schools get penalized for less. Uh, I remember a few years ago, Oklahoma State uh, got a postseason ban, and I think that was the year they had Kate Cunningham. Um and they, they got a postseason ban for a lot less than this. And so I, I think there was enough to where if Will Wade was still the coach that they would have been uh, scrambling. They would have been facing some postseason bans, maybe scholarship um, stuff as well. Will Wade was fired. Ed Ogeron was fired. Brian Kelly took his place. Brian Kelly now says um, college athletics is at a crossroads. If it doesn't get this name, image, and likeness compensation for college athletes fixed. He was in Washington, D.C. this month to lobby for legislation to help rein in what at times seems like a free-for-all since the NCAA allowed athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness in 2021. Once that cat's out the bag, it's hard to rein it back in, isn't it? Um, yes, it feels borderline impossible, but you're right. Uh, Brian Kelly went over to Washington, D.C. He was there with Nick Saban and plenty of um, important people that know what they're talking about or that should know what they're talking about. And I, it it's going to be very difficult to regulate it without making them employees, in my opinion. But that's always been my 
kind of right. full stance is that you're not going to be able to regulate it until they are employees of the school or of the NCAA. And, you know, there's there's a way to have them under contract or there's a way to be able to control the money they make or control the hours, so on and so forth. Um, but, yes, it definitely, definitely feels like you're fighting a losing battle when you're trying to control this When and then you look across the country at what's happening at I'm basically, you know, almost most most of the P5 schools and trying to do it. And then you hear stories from smaller school coaches saying, oh, you know, all my players were approached by P5 teams to gauge their interest in stuff. And so it is just a complete mess right now, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I do think it was it is the right decision So to, to have the players paid. So that's not going anywhere. But we'll see what they end up doing and how drastically they have to change what NIL is. It's a, there's a trickle down effect, and it's um, it's not a level playing field because a lot of programs don't produce the revenue that others do. They don't have well funded donors that others do. Um, it's the haves and the have nots, and that gap is widening and widening and widening. And, and so this is, uh, I think this is going to change the landscape of everything. I really do. And I've always been, I've always said for the most, for the longest time, Matthew, and nobody will appreciate me until I'm long gone. It's going to become a super conference. It's going to be like, it's going to be like 60 teams. There's going to be a commissioner of college football. And those 60 teams are going to have their own television deal. And they're going to have their own playoff deal. And that's how it's, that's how it's going to be because they are the haves, and the have-nots cannot yeah. compete. And these have-nots, the haves aren't going to want to split this television revenue with the have-nots. They don't. They don't compete at the same level. They're just not going to do it. Well, yeah, and we've we've already seen it with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, Texas and Oklahoma, yeah. obviously going yeah. to the SEC. Those are two schools that, respectively, in those conferences, were accounting for. I know that Texas and Oklahoma's case. I think they were they were fighting for half of the TV rights deal in order to stay. They 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 know that they are worth that much. And so now you have the player movement, you have the programs moving around, and as a result, you have the college football landscape trying to retroactively empower the other schools by making it a twelve team playoff. Uh, I think that's part of the reason because we do see a drastic widening of the gap to your point of the Georgia, the Alabamas, I think LSU is somewhere in that conversation, Ohio State, um, where the basically top 10 teams in recruiting across the board in, in terms of funds are just getting significantly better every single year. And it feels like it's taken a step forward over the last five, six years in terms of how wide the gap is. So um, that's going to be the interesting thing to me is they've tried to widen, expand the playoffs, I think, in part because of that. But overall, I think NIO is going to be an interesting place to start to regulate that. And then obviously the transfer portal and um, realignment, there's just there's so much going on right now. It's, it's hard to manage, hard to keep track of for me, and I can only imagine yeah. for the NCAA. College basketball has March Madness. College football has year-round madness. I've never seen anything quite like it. All right, the big question, Matthew Bruni. 
Paul Skeens. Do we skeens or do we not skeens? And if we do skeens, how long do we skeens? Feels like we got a skeens. Um, I think Jay Johnson said uh, yesterday, and I don't remember where, or which press conference it was, but he said somewhere along the lines that if he doesn't let Paul Skeens pitch, he's going to fight him. So it feels like this is a situation where even if Paul Skeens can only go six on four days of rest, which is a, it, a full day's rest less of what he usually gets, it is significant enough for a pitcher that you don't want to completely overdo it at this point in his career. Um, but it feels like you have to start him and try to get five or six out of him and then go to Thatcher Hurd or whoever else you, they have left um, that can come in and relief um, at that point. Um, I think they're going to start him, but that's what everybody says. I think it would be a shock if they didn't. And if there is a chance to start him, you have to because Wake Forest is – Probably going to start their ace off of four days of rest, uh, four days of rest as well. And I just I, I give the ball again. Yeah, okay, start Skeens and just take it inning by inning and see. The problem with Skeens yeah. is he's a strikeout pitcher, so his pitch count's yeah. going to get up early. That's why I went 123 and seven and two thirds because he's he's not throwing the contact. He's trying to strike him out, and that's mm-hmm. a minimum of, th- of three pitches minimum per batter. So it adds up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and get, get me Riley Cooper on there again. The guy's got a rubber arm. Get him out back out there again. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he's been he's been amazing. I I've just I've been floored by how uh, impressive this staff has been throughout the entire tournament, really. But uh, specifically in this College World Series run, uh, you think about it. The obviously last night, if we just go straight to um, Herring, I mean, that is basically four straight spectacular performances yeah. from LSU pitchers in four straight games. Um, obviously, you don't expect, you know, maybe, yeah, you don't expect, you don't expect right. it. And then the bullpen is, has stayed fresh enough to where you go into this game saying, all right, if Paul can just give us six, we can piece the, the last three together with whoever we have left over. Like you said, Riley Cooper has been phenomenal. Um, it, you, it makes you wonder if they had gotten that game against Wake Forest, if they did, this would already be done right now. But um, as we know, baseball is a sport that um, can change, can uh, go either way in a lot of situations. And so here we'll see tonight uh, how they do. I'm not trying to be critical, but this Gavin Gidry kid's a little goofy. He's, I mean, he's talking to himself. He reminds me of Mad Al Raboski way, way before your time. He's talking to himself. He's, Man, he's fired up, huh? Yeah, it's just, uh, it, it feels like we've seen a lot of pitchers, and I understand it's that way in a lot of the College World Series where we get to really see these kids' personalities a little bit more. Um, you have the great interviews. You have the great moments in College World Series. But, yeah, you, you, the Wake Forest pitcher that was over there pumped up. Yeah. Like just took pre-workout. I mean, they got all these guys out here that are all pumped up. And I don't blame them. I mean, this is... This is their moment. This is about as big of a stage that they're going to be on uh, for ninety percent of them. So, um, I just I'm excited to see how tonight goes. Me too. Um, ooh, should be should be the best against the best. Um, Skeens going against against Rhett Louder. If that if that's how it unfolds, man. And you know who's you know who's sitting back going, please pitch them, please pitch them, the Florida Gators, please pitch them. Yeah, 
yeah, that's going to be – that's definitely – the next step is that if you do pitch to Paul Skeens, obviously you don't get him for the the series, the championship series. But ultimately, I, I can't – I can't worry about the Florida series. And I, I think I right. said this whenever, before we started the NCAA tournament, where it was like, y'all, you don't pitch me in Tulane, you know, save it for the rest. I just don't think that's how Jay Johnson operates. If Paul yeah. Skeens can pitch and is, you know, the arm is right, the recovery is right and everything, I can't see him voluntarily not playing Paul Skeens in order to save him from Florida. That's just, not only is that, I think, from a baseball fan perspective, you're like, oh, you got to get there. Um, Jay Johnson has been wired this entire season. Just win the game that's in front of you. And I think that's, that's what right. he'll do. Worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Skeens knows it. Jay Johnson knows it. We don't know it. We'll find out in about two hours and 10 minutes. So um, cannot wait to watch it. And the NBA draft tonight, too. Can't wait to watch that. Matthew Bruni, um, thank you so much. BengalTigerOn3.com. Busy days, my friend. Thank you for spending some time with us. Yes, thanks, Jordy. Anytime. Take care, buddy. All right, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back. A very special birthday to um, one that uh, left us way too early. Still the greatest player I have ever seen, ever. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. You can't shop right at ShopRite. You can't shop right at all by Ducks cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and permanent fat reduction. Eon, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, Mandeville, the Louisiana Lottery. So many chances to win, but you can't win until you start playing. Please play responsibly. DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner. Besides all the other great products inside their store, they've got that deli, and that cheeseburger is unbelievable. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, before we get out of here, a special thanks to our guest Mark Etheridge of D1 Baseball on the uh, big matchup tonight. Ali Cassell on the NBA Draft. Pelicans at number 14. We'll see if they stay there. Chris Reed on LSU Baseball. Matthew Bruni, all things on LSU as well. 5.30 pregame show, 6 o'clock first pitch. LSU Wake Forest here on the game of today. Uh, June 22nd is your birthday. Happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with he would have been 76 years old today if he had not passed away on June 5th in 1988 at the tender age of 41. Still the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. Happy birthday, Pistol Heat Maravich. Would have been 76 years old today. James Mesh, thank you, sir. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Come on back tomorrow. We'll see if LSU is staying alive. We'll see if the Pels got the right pick in the draft. So until then, 
I'm Jordy Hultberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And by all means, be happy. Up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Let's roll, Tigers. Let's roll. Have a great one. So long, everybody.